and a good day. Uh, welcome to China Biotech CEO Podcast. I'm your host, uh, Brian Yang. Uh, I'm the senior editor at uh, Pharma Intelligence. Pharma Intelligence is a leading pharma and biotech industry publication group. Pharma Intelligence has Scrape, PinkSheet, MedTech Insights, Biomed Tracker, Sideline, and the Data Monitor, among others. If you have not checked us out, I encourage you to go to farmerintelligence at in, uh, dot .incominforma.com. Another month, another exciting guest on the show. Before I disclose today's China Biotech CEO guest, I'd like to remind everyone to check out our previous episodes in which we have interviewed both CEOs of leading Chinese company Jiangsu Hengrui, U.S. New Venture, and the leading Chinese orphan drug develop, developer Cambridge. So check out China Biotech CEO podcast on our website at script.farmintelligence.com. .informa.com. Today with me is co-founder and CEO of InnoCare. InnoCare is a leading biopharma company. It is a clinical and a commercial stage biotech company, which it has developed, got approval, and launched its first cancer drug a BDK in inhibitor or Arala Butinib since 2020. Today on the show is a distinguished guest, Jasmine Tree. Jasmine has over 20 years of experience in research, development, and company management. She was former CEO and the CSO of Biodura, a PPD company and a former head of early development at cardiovascular disease at Merck US. She's also former fellow at the Howard Hughes Medical Institute. Without further ado, welcome to the show, Madam CEO. Uh, hi, Brian. Uh, so thank you for the kind introduction and the kind invitation. Uh, it's an honor for me to uh, speak with you uh, at, here at the script of Pharma Intelligence. And uh, also you did a very nice introduction about InnoCare and myself. So I'm ready for uh, questions you may have. Thank you, uh, Madam CEO. Um, can you just briefly introduce InnoCare to our listeners? Sure, yeah, just you mentioned, InnoCare is a, a biotech to biopharma uh, bio company that focuses on uh, drug innovation, uh, oncology, and autoimmune diseases. And uh, InnoCare uh, established uh, in 2020, uh, 2015. So we have uh, set up for about seven years. We just celebrated our seven years anniversary. And uh, during the seven years, and, uh, we have built up really um, strong, uh, rich experience 
R&D team, and also we call it a drug innovation, including um, including manufacturing and commercialization. And also we set up, uh, we so-called it integrated, uh, integrated drug innovation platforms from uh, um, find uh, the uh, drug target and uh, understand of disease and to uh, discovery of drug leads, drug candidates, and to clinical development and uh, and uh, until to uh, manufacturing commercialization. So this whole integrated uh, drug innovation platforms, uh, we think it's very efficient and it can pump out innovative drugs and uh, and efficiently uh, with high quality. So we have a pipeline around uh, um, around 15 to 20 drugs in our pipeline. Currently, there are 11 to 12 on the in the clinical uh, stage, and uh, among that, two of uh, two of uh, uh, the drugs, Aralabronib, you mentioned, and also we licensed the Tavacitumab uh, already uh, in the commercial stage, and uh, and our commercial uh, results. Uh, it's it's a good Aurora Brownie launched the last year uh, in China and uh, and uh, uh, get access to uh, ARDL and this year the first half we are doing good so um, so uh, we are really uh, proud that we have uh, accomplished within the seven years uh, we also uh, in 2020 for the two and a half years ago we successfully uh, IPO'd in Hong Kong exchange and uh, and this year we're shooting for uh, list uh, for the uh, IPO listing uh, in uh, Starboard and in Shanghai exchange. Yes, um, as you mentioned, um, uh, uh, Mr. Tree, yeah, the success is uh, without the, the, the people behind it. So um, again, uh, can you introduce yourself and uh, uh, your background and what's one uh, factor that's really influenced you uh, in your decision making and uh, to where you are right now? Uh, sure, yeah, thank you for asking. And uh, like you introduced, uh, I actually uh, finished my college education in China and then went to US for a PhD degree. I got a PhD uh, degree from uh, Purdue University in molecular biology. And, uh, and the cell biology, and also uh, did my postdoctoral training with the Howard Hughes Medical Institute, focused on the genetic models in animals and uh, etc. So um, I then I uh, joined the Merck uh, Research Laboratories Merck company uh, in the U.S. in uh, New Jersey, and I worked there for more than 14 years, starting from uh, intern level PhD scientist all the way to uh, to director in charge of the cardiovascular diseases and the chair of early development team for developing uh, drug candidates from a preclinical stage until phase 2A. And uh, I returned to China uh, in 2011. So that's the result. <laughs> so I was an uh, yeah, organization called the SAPA, which uh, is a, uh, is a, uh, uh, pro which is a, a professional organization. Uh, it's for a non-profit pro uh, organization and uh, for scientific and business exchanges uh, between China, US and the world. 
So it's a big organization with five uh, thousand members when I was a president. So after the president, there were a lot of uh, um, opportunities and try to get me back to China. Uh, among that, I chose to be a, a general manager of uh, Fidura, which is a PPD subsidiary in China for uh, innovation uh, services for supporting innovation. And so uh, at um, 2015, and uh, when PPD spent off the Baidura, and myself and the Professor Yigong Shi, as well as um, uh, a, a funding team, we started uh, InnoCare. So uh, that's basically uh, my journey. And uh, I have been uh, in the CEO position for more than 10 years, and uh, with the company management, of course, my strength is in scientific. R&D management, uh, as well as overall, you know, the finance management of the company. Mm, thanks for that. Um, uh, you mentioned uh, that you are listing uh, in Hong Kong since uh, 2020, but now you are actually uh, moving to a second second listing, which is uh, in Shanghai's uh, starboard. Um, what do you want to achieve with this second listing? I know you are trying uh, uh, different to, to second listing. So what your goal for this listing? Yeah, this is a good question. Uh, first of all, uh, the listing, a majority, major purpose is still get a fund, get a cash to support our research and development uh, projects. Uh, as mentioned, we have um, 11 uh, drug assets in different stage of clinical trials in China and in the, in the global, in US, uh, Australia, or, or, or the whole world. And so it's very, uh, you know, still, uh, you know, care is still a, a non-profitable company, which you need uh, get funds to support the, uh, the project. And uh, so this is the major reason. Of course, you know, uh, you know, care consider uh, <laughs> with uh, comparing to other biotech companies, uh, we are still cash rich. We raised the funds in the uh, market, and also we got uh, our sales team revenue income, and also uh, BD product. We got uh, uh, a lot of income, uh, a billion RMB income last year. So we are we are still doing okay in cash. Uh, the purpose another uh, for the listing is uh, we thought you know we. Um, uh, we are rooted in China, so so we should have better communication with the China market. That including you know uh, listing in China, so can have more institution and the people in China participating on the company's growth and the development, so they can have a better access to buy our stock, uh, and also for a lot of deals in China. And with listing in China, we can do MA, we can do you know, all those uh, business deals relatively uh, easily. So in the China market, by this way, we can have a better collaboration and uh, with other companies. I just to say, no matter its asset, license in, license out, company acquisition, and it's much uh, easier. And also uh, in China, we have a majority of our employees are actually Chinese employees by listing in China and for our, you know, the uh, incentive programs is much better than we uh, at Hong Kong from many aspects. So, so this is a actually strategic 
positioning, uh, not only for, for the funds, but also for other strategic reasons, as mentioned. Mm, great. Uh, I'm glad to, to hear you. Uh, very thorough uh, explanation. Um, so talk about the Hong Kong market. Uh, I know this Hong Kong market has been attractive for lots of uh, so-called uh, 18A mm -hmm. companies like you. Uh, mm -hmm. What have you uh, learned uh, in the past two years? Uh, and uh, why do you think, uh, what do you think Hong Kong market as a, a, a listing venue for Chinese biotech companies? Yeah, so Hong Kong market uh, uh, opened for the you know so-called chapter 18A for the non-company without profit and even without the income. So they accept the company IPO. Actually, this is a huge uh, help to the biotech company. Basically, in the past, there is no way very hard to you know have uh, the the investor uh, in and out. So that provide the channel for the uh, biotech company uh, to you know, list in the stock market. And uh, in the past, we listed for about two and a half years. I think overall experience is very uh, positive. And, uh, and uh, Hong Kong still considering overseas uh, market. And um, a lot of uh, the global funds, they have branches in Hong Kong. Actually, uh, those uh, analysts, this um, um, stock market analyst or PM, uh, so they really understand the biotech companies, and so they can they give a relatively you know correct evaluation. They know how to evaluate a biotech company. So overall, the uh, the the trading is pretty active. So it's basically, you know, the advantage of Hong Kong market is uh, a lot of Chinese institutions, even Chinese citizens, they also do some uh, exchange uh, through special channels and uh, also global investors. And they are quite free to exchange use, you know, the foreign, the foreign, uh, um, uh, the, the foreign funds. So uh, it's pretty good. And uh, this is, um, you know, the second listing I just mentioned is for strategic reasons. And in Hong Kong market, uh, by now still, even the fundraising is pretty easy. It's basically uh, overnight or a couple of days, you can raise the funds you need. Mm, yeah, it, uh, indeed, as you mentioned, it's a relatively uh, uh, streamlined process to mm. get listed in Hong Kong. Um, right. Uh, Yes, and uh, so I just quick uh, follow up on this. Um, do you think the liquidity is, uh, is sufficient uh, from your point of view in Hong Kong? Um, yeah, so uh, actually this is a really good question and it's separate. Uh, liquidity is uh, increasing. We have just listed is a, is a, uh, is a low. And uh, actually now you can see a pattern that separation. There are some companies, I, I think the Hong Kong market, the chapter 18, uh, uh, 18A listed over 50 biotech companies. I think that the top uh, 20, 30, or even 40 percent, there are some, you know, the liquidation is fine. Actually, and, uh, um, and, uh, and uh, the maybe bottom 10 to 20 percent is very low. But when you risk the fund, it's not really you go exchange on the market. And actually, you get to reach out to investors, so-called Zengfa, 
and uh, and uh, in general, in that for good companies, uh, we feel for you know, Pierre, if we want to fund the raising, there is no problem to get the investors from there. Thank you. Um, I, I understand that is uh, you know depends uh, what company's performance uh, is also is very highly relevant. Uh, I guess. Right. Yes. Um, let, let's talk about uh, R&D since you are, your background is also in R&D. Um, I, uh, I noticed that InnoCare has been really fast in terms of uh, developing a uh, new drug. Uh, you Ala La Brutini uh, really, uh, you know, in four years, I guess, uh, got the approval and uh, got launched uh, from a clinical to commercial stage for you. Um, how do you think, uh, why is uh, you, you have this R&D uh, development so uh, quickly. Um, I guess is there uh, some particular reasons uh, unique to InnoCare that you can uh, help us to understand? Yeah, so uh, I think um, this depends on uh, uh, a few key factors. First of all, is uh, we are in a right time, so the the so-called uh, so. When we uh, established InnoCare, we were 2015. That's the time that China uh, went through a lot of uh, changes in uh, drug in drug innovation in drug like uh, uh, the um, CDE, the Center uh, AMTA uh, for drug um, uh, for regulatory uh, steps. So the everything is uh, uh, so it's a try to you know accelerating from uh, uh, the IND going to the uh, clinic to the NDA approval. And uh, uh, of course, even that is still some distance from uh, US and the, the developed countries. And uh, and um, so uh, anyway, for Aurora Brownib, and that's our first drug. And uh, and we, uh, the company put the best resource uh, the scientists, the team for development, including myself, majority time spending on it, and uh, talk to physicians and let people know the project, get interest, and uh, talk to uh, a lot of uh, doctors, physicians about advantages of Aurora Brownie. And uh, and uh, so that's one thing. The team has a very uh, excellent uh, the execution levels. And the second is Aurora Brownie by itself. Since it's a high selectivity, good um, efficacy and safety profile, really attractive. That's why we can get you know enrollment of the patient quickly. We can get interest of the physician because it's a drug property and once a day dosing and uh, and all of that. And uh, of course, uh, third, we also took uh, a lot of strategy. So we did parallel development uh, in China and in Australia. So the phase one uh, actually uh, at the 2017 and uh, going to IND is still uh, very tedious in China. So we did in Australia and we finished phase one in Australia. So when we come back to China uh, to repeat the phase one is much short uh, time period. So much speed forward period. So so that's the strategic point of view, uh, we did every step right, and uh, we put every step through, and you know, we saved that, uh, you know, we did all the best we could to get approval. Indeed, uh, we generated a record. So a record, you know, is, uh, is a really, you know, uh, high speed for novel drug, uh, for novel drug get approval. 
And um, so uh, I think that's a few reasons. And also mm. uh, BDK inhibition is a well-known mechanism and uh, people already feel this is a proven target uh, for oncology. So all of this uh, helped acceleration of the project. Mm. Uh, indeed, it sounds like uh, both the efforts and uh, uh, luck uh, pay, pays yeah. off. <laughs> so, um, yeah, uh, again, uh, you mentioned attention delay人格. Actually, there also we are talking about, um, particularly since 2020, um, there are a lot talking about Tangping uh, in terms of uh, innovation. Um, how, how do you keep your momentum for innovation in China? Yeah, so I think we have to recognize, look at things uh, differently. So back to, uh, you know, for the time when we established 2015, China rarely, you don't have much drug approval. So the patient, if you use the advanced uh, modern medicine, such as PD-1 treatment, such as uh, at that time, uh, BDK inhibitors not getting into China yet, Ibronib, the first one. So if you want to use uh, really the modern uh, medicine, you have to go to overseas or go to Hong Kong or through special channels and also very, very expensive. And after seven years development, look at it today. You know, our PD-1, we launched the multiple in China market and it's very accessible, it's cheap. And actually the quality, it's not, uh, it's at least equivalent to the, you know, to the um, importing the drugs to the uh, produced by Merck or BMS. So, so uh, and also BDK inhibitor, look at the beginning, uh, 2017, by end of 2017 was the first time Ibronib got to China and the BDK inhibitor is very effective for uh, B-cell lymphoma and the number of indications. And at that time, it's very expensive, like a Tianjia to Chinese patient. And uh, now we have uh, three BDK inhibitors uh, on the market, like ours is one of that. And the pricing dropped um, five times. And, uh, and uh, so really help a Chinese patient to get the modern medicine. I just used two examples, many other drugs as well. And so that's uh, because of innovation Chinese company also give a lot of pressure to the global companies. And when they come to China, they are innovative drug, they come to China earlier and in a much cheaper price because of competition. Of course, drug innovation needs talent, needs knowledge, needs experience. So China is still in the early stage. And although we have a certain degree of talents, we still need more get into China, and we still need uh, uh, get more accumulation knowledge to get the first in class globally. And with the best in class like Arola Bronib, uh, and it's already we truly and also physicians convinced that's truly a first in class. And uh, we are moving to first in class like Arola Bronib for the for the uh, autoimmune disease actually we're competing in the global market for uh, MS and for other indications. So, so that takes time. And so I think in China, there are different companies with different levels. And with uh, the top uh, companies, top 10 to 20, you know, we are stepping into the global stage, right? We are doing uh, well and to compete uh, strongly 
and we know how to choose the target. And uh, and uh, maybe the first batch of target people chosen like a PD one is crowded. But moving forward, I believe, uh, and all those uh, you know the the biotech pharmaceutical companies in China, the leading ones, we know how to choose target and try to avoid you know the internal so-called nadian and uh, and use the resource uh, smartly. And uh, and um, I think like a PD one, some other target. Just uh, as a um, result of a history at the beginning, you know, very, uh, very uh, beginning, very unorganized effort to try, people try to get whatever uh, the target minor work. They see, oh, well, the drug is expensive. I should work on that. So at, from uh, the beginning, but moving forward, I believe it will be better and better. Um, yeah, indeed, there there are multiple factors, uh, and particularly from uh, uh, pers uh, perspective, if you look back, you know, like uh, five, uh, seven years ago, there are few uh, innovation uh, in China, but now we have a like uh, you know really blows uh, is uh, just a, a historic development. Right. Um, yeah. So could you say uh, uh, moving forward, so we we all move further with in competition. People become smarter uh, in the competition. Uh. Yes. So um, uh, without the, uh, 怎么说呢? 没没有竞争也就没有这个进步啊。是是是这样子的。嗯嗯。Let's move to the uh, commercialization because you have launched uh PTK the PTK inhibitor. Um. So uh, I understand that uh, uh, you also got into the uh, NDIL, the the Yibao Mulu. What do you think? The the how in China you from your own experience? Uh, how do you think the the Yibao Mulu and the the Tenglong Huaniao uh, in terms of price uh, dropping reduction in order to get the market share to get into the reimburse in China? How how do you think this uh, working so far? Right, ARDL, you all know, is a government uh, funded, uh, you know, the funds for uh, help, you know, uh, supplement to the disease treatment. And uh, there is, a, you know, China, although the GDP is high, but there are many people, right, big population. And uh, and uh, the average GDP is still low. We're still, we're still poor, right? So the funds is limited. So the government is trying their best to use the funds fairly and effectively. So in the past, there are not so many innovative drugs in the in the uh, ARDL in the list. And the major list is the very basic like um, medicines uh, and the generics and uh, and the Chinese medicines and all of that. And now comparing to you know those medicines. The new drug and the per patient per year if above uh, like a uh, hundred k RMB per year is considered to be expensive to the eball. So that's why um, the ARDL they um, they try to lower the price and uh, the officials try experts try their best to lower the uh, from their point of view that's their accomplishment to lower the drug price. So that uh, so that patient can can be able to uh, feasibly use that, and also the government pays less money, right? And uh, or covers more drugs, covers more drugs with a certain amount of money. So so that's their you know objective, their purpose. 
of course, from a different angle, from uh, you know company uh, innovation point of view, you know we get innovative drug. We spend a lot of effort in research, development, and etc. Comparing to the price uh, in uh, in Western countries, like in, especially in U.S. And uh, this, uh, yes, it is uh, it is much less. And uh, in many cases, just equivalent, right? right. Uh, in USD and RMB, uh, for example, if a drug like Ibronib, in US, it sells 100, maybe 160 uh, USD. And in China, maybe equivalent RMB. So, so this uh, six to seven times different. Uh, I think that's related to the population in China, the current economic stage in China, and the nature of the payment in China. So in in U.S., majority of those money paid by really truly um, called the shambles, the 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 private uh, insurance plan. But in China, you know, our population is still mainly covered by by government the insurance. So so. Um, so I think that's uh, every company or every drug uh, when you go to NRDL, it's a battle, right? <laughs> and it's uh, we try to get a reasonable price, and the government try to lower the price. Uh, but overall, I think uh, except for PD one, PDL one, because the fierce competition and all others like BDK inhibitors, still we consider to be reasonable. And uh, and mm. we think uh, uh, covering by ARDL still a good way for mm. company to reach more po more patients. Yeah. So you think it's uh, it's uh, worse uh, for the trade off. So you lower the prices, maybe very right. uh, low, but you get the uh, some uh, compensation or trade off uh, right. for the market share. So sure. this is a is a is a fair game. Uh, it, it is a fair game, and from another hand, we feel good is we can reach more patients, we can serve a patient more patients, and with the same amount of uh, you know the the actually we get much more revenue by uh, ARDL. Without ARDL, it's still very uh, small percent of population can afford the you know. Mm. Uh, perfect. The, yeah. 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 Perfect. Um, in terms of commercial, uh, I know this is a lot of companies uh, are struggling because if they can do R&D, they can do clinical, but uh, commercial is a different ball game. Um, how do you how do you do uh, with uh, less? Uh, I know uh, you don't have a, you may not have a large commercial team like uh, others, but uh, how do you differentiate uh, in terms yeah. of commercial in China? Right. So so. Uh... We started the commercialization actually last year. That's the first uh, uh, first year we have commercialization, and uh, and uh, we did okay. We did good last year. We have over like uh, um, uh, like uh, 200 uh, million RMB income, and last year and this year, the first half a year, we did also good. We already exceeded the whole last year's uh, revenue. And uh, because of ARDL uh, landing, you know, we covered coverage. And um, so we have a commercial team right now around 250. Of course, we are still uh, expanding. And because, you know, there are uh, the ARDL coverage and also because our second drug, Tabacitamab, 
is lending to the market. So, um, so we feel um, we're doing okay. You know, we're doing not less than others at least, and we're doing um, pretty good. Uh, I think uh, this is a big transition uh, for our company, actually for myself as well. Like you see in the past, I mainly, um, you know, uh, work in the R&D. And uh, so it it's, uh, took me quite a bit effort to learn. And uh, so the recruitment, at, uh, we started uh, 2019. And at the very beginning, I had to learn, you know, what is needed for commercialization. And so, so we need, um, I know we need a CCO and we need somebody, you know, the salesperson, we need a marketing person, we need uh, the channel management and access. And so um, we're pretty lucky. We, uh, we are very cautious when we build the team for the CCO position. I interviewed more than 20, more than 20 candidates. And we still try, we still choose people that fit our philosophy, our culture. So, so we want to do things right, not just in a big rush. And also we get help a lot. So uh, in our, um, in our uh, uh, assigned advisory board, we have uh, like uh, Mr. James Deng, he's a very experienced mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. commercial person. He helped yeah. me a lot to, you know, basically every candidate is two of us and he spent more time even than me to interview, to build mm -hmm. up. So we feel we build up the right team. The team is, um, you know, doing right things and doing uh, the team is uh, with uh, uh, execution ability really strong and the team with experience in, uh, in liquid cancer, in uh, rolabronib, in BDK inhibitor field. Mm -hmm. And also the team fits our corporate culture. We have a very specific corporate culture and uh, they, they have to, they fit into it. So uh, as such, we have uh, effective and experienced and a very stable team that helped uh, roll up Ronib's commercialization. So mm -hmm. I think uh, in there also, there's a component of luck. And just like our clinical study. And uh, uh, so, so uh, we did the right things and also with some degree of uh, uh, luck. Mm. Yeah, uh, indeed. Uh, really, uh, again, the right time uh, uh, efforts plus uh, the good luck. Um, let's talk about your uh, second uh, uh, leading asset. Uh, I know this is antibody, uh, uh, different than your uh, small monocular BTK inhibitor. Um, this uh, antibody, uh, how when you talk about this, uh, it's a different uh, category of uh, uh, the, uh, the drug. Uh, so how do you how do you uh, differentiate or how do you uh, com compare to other uh, competitors? Uh, you are actually licensed from overseas this uh, uh, asset. How, how do you do differently than the first BTK inhibitor? Right. So. Um, we, uh, so first of all, you know, we're open innovation platform, right? We do up license, we do in license. For in licensing com uh, drug asset, we look into fit with our therapeutic area with, you know, the disease indications and etc. So in Lake Brownie like, covers a number of uh, indications, uh, CLL, MCL, MZL, you, you name it. Uh, a lot of indications in the B-cell lymphoma. 
So in B-cell lymphoma, the largest, uh, actually the indication is so-called DLBCL. It's a, a diffuse the large um, B-cell lymphoma. So, so uh, that, uh, uh, that is about like 40% of the total uh, AHL uh, patient. So this is a larger indication. So we, um, BDK uh, with a combo works for subtype of the DLBCL patient. Uh, but we try to get a good drug for the larger indication DLBCL. So we looked into a screened number of uh, candidates. And so DL, the tapacitamab is a new type of uh, CD19 antibody with uh, additional function of, we call it ADCC, ADCT. Those are the T-cell killing function. In addition to anti-CD19, you also have mm. additional T-cell killing. So, so basically, you had, had B-cell and T-cell killing, right? Uh, so inhibition and killing. So it's very effective. And this drug is only approved by U.S. and the EU that is used for, uh, for the second line and above of DLBCL. You know, DLBCL, the golden treatment, is still R-TROP, the first line. So, so that's the only drug approved for that. And also its efficacy and uh, it's uh, excellent. So if you look at TFS and especially OS overall survival, it's a 33 mm -hmm. comparing to other uh, treatment generally is no than 10 months. And also duration of response with so-called DOR is 40 some months and other drugs, again, rarely above 10 months. So it's excellent drug. And we talked to, this from inside, we use a lot of strategies talking to uh, inside. And, uh, and the inside, at the beginning, they did, did not know you know care. And mm. with time interaction, they recognize our ability to execute the clinical trials. And they also recognize the strengths of arolabronib. Actually, tafacinamab and, uh, and arolabronib has excellent you know, uh, potential for the uh, combo therapy. So, mm. So that's uh, a strong reason that inside chose us, and uh, we feel this is this is the first in class actually in China, and uh, this uh, big drug and really beneficial of Chinese population. The DLBCL in general, if you get the DLBCL field uh, R-TROP, and uh, you only have a few months of survival, but we hope with this drug the patient can really get you know benefit and can have a much better survival yeah. and her life. So, so, so that's a whole process of map. We're doing our best to push, to launch it. In mainland China, we hope to finish the clinical trials in the coming year and uh, then launch it quickly. And we already launched it in Hainan and also submit NDA mm -hmm. for Hong Kong and the hope mm -hmm. will be launched in uh, Shenzhen, Guangzhou, so called the big, mm -hmm. big next year. Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, I, I noticed, uh, I, I think that there is uh, a potential combination for you uh, using, particularly for this uh, hematology cancer uh, area. Um, again, that's, uh, that's a, uh, but I also noticed that uh, Insight actually has uh, in the past with another uh, Chinese company uh, for cancer drugs. So why do you think this uh, partnership uh, with uh, InnoCare would be different, structured differently, or uh, or is going to be working as you planned? Uh, I think this is a, 
you know, your major uh, licensing deal, right, with uh, right. Uh, going global. Right, yes. Uh, you mean with the inside, right? Right, yes. I think the deal structure itself is uh, very common. So it's, such as uh, upfront milestone payment and royalty payment. And uh, just a matter of, you know, in our side, we will execute it well. We want to make sure the drug reach more um, patients. Meanwhile, you know, financially makes sense uh, with, you know, with uh, working with the insider together. So that's all we try, we try to do. So the deal itself, uh, I think it's a common, but we want to make sure it works for us and for the inside. Mm. Um, yeah, just follow up on this, uh, Jasmine. Uh, there is uh, some uh, deals uh, that uh, have uh, uh, been uh, not working properly or has been returned uh, the rights to the, uh, the licensee uh, in China uh, recently. So um, I just wondering uh, how when you when you do this. Uh, licensing, do you think uh, licensing in will be still uh, major uh, for Chinese companies? Yeah, so I think uh, licensing in is still a big part of the open uh, innovation platform. So we get better stuff licensing in, we have our own stuff licensed out. And it's just a matter of uh, whether you can get licensing in, I said, you can get it to work uh, very smoothly in the China market. And this again depends on how the deal is signed up. We think we have a very good deal with uh, mm. with uh, inside. You know, our our, our front is uh, uh, thirty million dollars, and milestone is not that much. So so we think financially it makes sense. Uh, that's another bigger piece. And uh, and uh, yeah, but some other companies maybe they lack experience. They didn't anticipate. And uh, you know, did not do the calculation well, and uh, anticipate the pricing, the you know number of patients, how to you access market stuff like that. But we did a very thorough calculation before the deal was signed up. So we we think uh, a uh, uh, Tapa will be mm. working well in China. Yeah, with us. Yes. Um. Uh, again, uh, when when you I notice you also has uh, going global or some uh, ongoing clinical study in the U.S. Uh, when you uh, go global, uh, expanding to international market, uh, what do you think you do differently than others? Right. So the globalization, different companies um, take different approach. Um, for us, we're quite cautious in terms of how much we invest, invest in the global market. We balance the time and the, and the resource very carefully. So what we do in general, our innovative majority of our assets uh, invented ourselves, you know, in, uh, in, at InnoCare. So we have the global right. In general, we do uh, phase one now in China uh, is Actually, the pre-clean IND is pretty quick, uh, and so we generally, uh, you know, uh, submit IND and get some clinical result, like a couple of doses first in man, uh, in human in China. Make sure the drug asset itself has the value we thought, the safety, the exposure, the PKPD, and etc. So once that's um, confirmed. 
and we generally quickly register to the global to you know in US. And in US, we can cut off the phase one. We generally do only very you know well two doses in phase one, like the Aurora Brownie. We uh, we uh, submit ind in 2018 in US, and we did very uh, very few patients, only two doses in phase one. And so then we can uh, move either uh, phase two, global phase two, or we do you know registration trial and. Uh, we still, you know, for our um, the first three maybe asset, first few asset, we still like to get a partnership for commercialization, perhaps like in autoimmune disease for registration that need a really big resource for uh, couple of phase three studies. So for Aurora Brownie, for example, our autoimmune uh, disease like MS, uh, so we partnered with the field leader, Biogen, and the Biogen will do the phase three and the commercialization. You know, we get uh, you know pretty good milestones and the royalties in the market. And for oncology, we still own the global rights. We're pushing for the registrational trial, uh, but we uh, we are shooting for big indications. Just mentioned like a combo with others like a tafacitumab or, or other uh, novel CD20 antibody and shooting for DLBCL large uh, indications. When that happens, we are, we, were, we are also looking for partnership. We still hope the partnership <laughs> and for large indications is still through this and for the first few assets. In the future, when we become strong, you know, our <laughs> income more and more become bigger, stronger, and we, we, will, uh, we will start ourselves for marketing and uh, commercialization. And but at this moment, I think with in three years, considering the situation, considering the size <laughs> of InnoCare, and we are still as a partnership is a primary way for our out licensing step into global market. And also we are trying to actively license in just like Tafacitumab, the <laughs> asset that fits China market, fits our portfolio. Yeah. Uh, speaking of the the map. you have, uh, you know, uh, obviously uh, competing with uh, other antibodies uh, here. Uh, of course, uh, hematology is your specialty and very strong for InnoCare. Um, how do you think recent uh, setbacks by uh, Chinese companies who are trying to go global but uh, has been so far unsuccessful? Yeah, so so actually there are multiple reasons for that. First of all, that they always try, some company try only use China data for registration in US and in global. Actually, it's not, uh, in general, you need the local data support. Like when the drug come to China, 90% chance, 90, 95% chance, you need to do a trial, or at least a bridging trial in China. And uh, and so some companies try to use just China data for the uh, for the U.S. registration uh, purposes. You know, it's it's already known from a regulatory point of view. It's not a plausible way to do it. And another thing, I'm not so sure. All the rumors is also because China U.S. relationship or this and that. So, so I we don't have a direct experience on that. So our Aurora Brownie is doing a registrational trial in US. 
So what we did is, um, you know, it's a, it's a still single arm. If you don't have China data, generally you need editations. We do have a China data a lot, right? We have a few hundred patients. In this MCL uh, indication, we have also uh, 80 uh, to 100 patients in China for Chinese um, for ch registration trial in China. So we use those data as a support uh, while we are recruiting uh, around maybe half of, you know, 40 some uh, uh, MCL patients and then do the registration trial. FD is still now quite uh, supportive for moving forward. And so, so we are doing, uh, you know, we are also getting a lot of patient data in the U.S. So we uh, we haven't experienced that uh, uh, <laughs> what the market said about other drugs. I'm not so sure whether there is a component of politics. Hmm. Um, when you, uh, Jasmine, just uh, uh, following up on the clinical, I noticed uh, you mentioned that uh, uh, InnoCare has very good or really doing very well in terms of uh, clinical uh, execution. What are some factors do you think uh, really contribute to this? Uh, uh, really, you know, when the partner looking at you, they think, oh, you have a track record. How, how do you think, uh, how do you get this track record? Yeah, so for us, we generally, you know, to the clinical studies, we prioritize. For the high priority project, you know, the whole company, not just the commercial team, Put the effort into it myself you know running to the hospitals talk to physicians going to the meetings and etc and uh, and myself leading a lot of stuff on in that so so uh, i think uh, that's one reason and the second our clinical team execution is really strong so they have a very they're strongly goal oriented and uh, and get stuff done timely that's also important uh, I think also uh, we do use in China. We we use a lot of internal effort. So we have uh, we have uh, 250 now close to 300 uh, clinical team, and uh, so they work together very well. The team is uh, very. Mm. I think that's the major reason. Right. Um, however, China also, as you know, uh, has changed. Uh, keep evolving. Uh, now you you see compared to just a couple of years ago, even three or five years ago, um, the, the the cost is obviously is increasing, and also the patients' enrollment uh, for cancer patients. As I know that, uh, that some companies actually are struggling to get enough uh, enrollment. How how do you deal with this now? Yeah, you are absolutely right. <laughs> so now because more innovative uh, drug candidates uh, in the market. And uh, and uh, uh, indeed the enrollment, patient enrollment is very competitive. And uh, so, for example, Aurora Brownib, when we do the enrollment 2018, that's four years ago, it's much, much easier than now, faster than now. And uh, now there are so many more programs. We feel actually um, hard to increase the enrollment. And the physician uh, interaction with the physicians let them understand your drug mechanism, your drug candidate, the strength of your, your asset, your drug asset. That's the most important thing. And uh, like MS, we do the global trial. China is one of the arms. Originally, we say, well, in China, there are so many, not so many patients. Uh, MS is a rare disease in China. And so uh, actually, our enrollment goes really faster 
and they really good and exceeded already the speed we already uh, we predicted. And the reason is we we uh, have a lot of interactions with the physicians, and uh, and we let them know the strengths of you know why uh, the rolabronib why is important for MS. And uh, and sometimes with the open label you have results and you show physician you know how good the drug is so far the safety is efficacy and other physicians are getting encouraged that they will refer to more patients to your trials. So we found that that's the most effective way to enhance enrollment. Mm -hmm. um, Jasmine, I noticed you also have uh, studied um, in Hainan, as you mentioned, mm -hmm. uh, as a real world uh, data or RWE um, uh, evidence study. How, how the uh, real world data plays a role for you uh, R&D? and a potential uh, 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 approval, regulatory approval. Right, so for the tapacitumab, actually we're doing formal uh, clinical studies in China. We're basically repeating uh, the, the study in the registration in the US, uh, Europe. Uh, so uh, the real world could be an important reference, but we're not fully dependent on the data for registration. But for other drug projects, we know, and for other imported import drugs, you know, uh, so they even don't do the, they even just use real world as registration evidence. But for, in the case of a tapacinumab, we are generating a separate, a set of registration results. We have a 50 patient study ongoing. So, so the real world, we are also collecting the data that will be very important reference and the support and for that but not not uh, you know uh, not uh, the you know we are set we have a study to support the registration mm. uh, 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 yes i'm just uh, going to the last side of questions um so draw upon your success uh, what do you think some uh, regulatory or clinical opportunities uh, can you offer to companies who uh, want to uh, enter China or develop new drugs in China, Jasmine? Yeah, so I think uh, for new drug development in China, and uh, people really need to understand, we really truly find what the market needs, you know, what the patient needs. You know, like you say, we don't want nature or useless competition. So we want to really, uh, the drugs come to China and uh, and really meet the need of a Chinese patient. And once that is settled, I think the interaction with the regulatory agencies, they are very open now, now CBE. They, you can request a lot of meetings with them, communicating your ideas. So they are listening now, although still maybe the speed are not fast as in the US, but they are trying to catch up and they are listening to your thoughts and ideas. And also this regulatory, and also physicians, and you, their levels are really, you know, uh, also catching up to the uh, develop, developed countries. So if you spend the time interacting with physicians, uh, they are also listening, and uh, and they will be enthusiastic to the drugs that really needed for patients. So uh, I think China is still big market. We do have a lot of uh, you know patients. And need truly innovative drugs. Uh, I I do feel this is still place to do innovation 
and uh, and then the market is you need the better graphs. Mm. Uh, also, you are uh, of course very few uh, female CEOs uh, in the predominantly uh, the male uh, CEO of, uh, in biotech sector. Uh, what are you? Can you offer some? Uh, uh, tips or uh, you know advantage or challenges uh, managing about tech in China. Right, I think uh, there are quite a number of successful female CEOs uh, in China, much more than in the in the Western countries. And uh, I think uh, uh, no matter it's uh, female or male, the CEO job all needs some experience and learning. And they need to be have a gut and overcome a lot of uh, challenges. And of course, there are a lot of resilience during that. And uh, and uh, yourself, like myself, I have learned a lot uh, as a as a CEO of uh, InnoCare. And um, and uh, I think uh, <laughs> I, I encourage uh, all the female and the more female uh, uh, scientists or female entrepreneur. And to be a CEO, and uh, I, I think this is a, a really, uh, really um, uh, meaningful job if you can develop a company to a global level and uh, to contribution to make a contributions to the society. And of course, uh, need a lot of sacrifice, need a lot of dedication. Uh, and female, if you see there was advantage, advantage is try to do, you know, you have to do works at a, a high level and make strategies and interacting with the government and interacting with investors from high level. And then you have to go to the very detailed levels. My day and I deal with many, many detailed things uh, myself, even the team uh, encounter difficulties. I, you know, uh, I go to the front line to resolve some a lot of issues myself. I have to be prepared. Uh, but you know, it's a, I recognize it's a meaningful job, and uh, I, I'm glad um, uh, I did it. Thank you very much, Jasmine. It's been a pleasure. Thank you so much, uh, Brian. Thank you. Bye then. Bye.